You are listening to the JTMR podcast. Visit our website at www.jesustomyrescue.com for free sermons, articles, ebooks, Bible study tools, Bible quizzes, and lots more. We share the gospel of Jesus to the world. Hello and welcome to the program which looks at the Holy Land. I am Paul Calvert. Romans 8 verse 28 from the New King James Bible says this, And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. In 2019, I interviewed Rabbi Eckstein from the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. The next day, Rabbi Eckstein died. His widow, Joel, has written a book called The Rabbi's Widow. I'm with Joel Eckstein, who's written a book called The Rabbi's Widow. Joel, tell us about the book. Wow, tell us about the book, like in one sentence. No, it starts, I'm going to start then from the very beginning, if, I, if you want to hear about the book. It's hard recalling, so I'm sorry if I kind of sound nervous or something. Recalling and going back to that day is, uh, is pretty hard. But I decided to start writing when my husband passed away. Actually, it's very emotional always to meet you, knowing that you did his last interview and uh, you knew him. But uh, that's a very big question telling me about the book. I wish you were a little bit more specific. But I started writing, and the day that he passed away is when the book starts. I describe everything that went on that day. I wish I had the book here to read you that first page. I can send it to you. It's very, very emotional. For me, it was dealing with my grief to be able to describe exactly what went on that day with every detail and what I was thinking on my way home. And uh, it was very shocking. It was very sudden. And uh, if you don't mind, I can go back and talk about it. So it was, a, it was really a regular day. I, uh, it was a winter day, February 6th, 2019. I woke up in the morning and uh, kissed my husband goodbye. I left for the office, and we were supposed to go to a wedding that evening. So I was, we were going to leave earlier. The wedding was in Tel Aviv, so you know the, the traffic here, and uh, we had to be on time. Even weddings start like uh, around uh, 6 or 7. So um, we said we'll leave earlier around 4 to not be stuck in traffic or not take any chances because he had to be... He, he was the rabbi that was to say one of the blessings under the, uh, the chuppah, that's called. And I'm thinking on my way home, it was just a 10-minute walk from the house to the office. And I'm thinking, what dress am I going to wear? Also, it's our anniversary tomorrow. I booked a hotel in Tel Aviv, so we're staying overnight after the wedding. We're going to a concert the next night, an opera con- concert I had booked for, um, for, to celebrate our anniversary. So that's my state of mind when I'm walking home. I got home, and when I opened the door, my husband was dead on the floor. Mm. So I know you heard this before, and but I think for the people listening, it's it's very powerful to understand that in one second your life just changes. Everything, you know. Some widows say my life ended that day. Mm. I decided to say life as I knew it ended that day. It took me months to say that and, and to realize that my, my life did not end. I'm still alive, and I need to find a way to be okay. I don't know how yet. It took me two years where I was in total shock. I think even when we met here last time and we spoke about what I was doing, I was still kind of in a state of shock. Mm. I, I don't remember exactly what 
happened in that time. And sometimes I go back to the book <laughs> to remember really what, for me it was a journaling what I was experiencing and what I was going through and growing from that process of writing. So, but one thing, one thing a friend had told me, you know, you're alive, you have to find a way to keep living and find a meaning. Actually, the second title, the, the subtitle of the book is Beneath the Rabbi's Widow is Turning Pain into Purpose. Mm. How I, I turned that pain into something that was meaningful for me. And it started, you know, I founded a, an organization that gave me just something to do. But it was, first of all, changing that language of saying, I'm going to be okay, and my life did not end that day. But yes, life as I knew it, everything about it ended that day. The way I woke up in the morning, who I had coffee with, kissing my husband goodbye, seeing him in the evening, going to my volunteer job, everything ended, everything. I had to learn how to crawl, I describe it like being a baby, learning how to crawl, talk, walk again and find meaning. So I don't know if that answers your question about, tell me about the book. <laughs> was it difficult to write the book? So at first, I didn't know I was writing a book. At first, I was just writing my feelings. A friend suggested that I just start writing. It doesn't matter. Don't think about the end or what it's going to become. Or maybe it's something that you never publish or something. But for your grief... And this journey, writing and journaling, is very, very important. And I suggested to anybody, not only widows, but anybody going through any kind of pain to journal, is very, very therapeutic. I was going to ask, was this therapeutic, writing this book? Very, very, very much. Once it's written on paper, it kind of, I was liberated in a way. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but it was like getting it out of my system, mm. writing it down. And, and, okay, it's on paper. It's not part of me anymore. And getting rid of that pain slowly and saying everything that I was feeling. So it's very, very raw because it was originally just my feelings, my journal. I wasn't thinking I'm writing a book. Mm. When my friend suggested, and she read the, the first few pages, and she said, you have to publish this. Other, not only widows, to feel that what they're feeling is normal, here there, is, there, there, there are things that we feel like, I'm going crazy. I must be the only one going through this. And when you read that another widow is experiencing the same thing, you feel normal again. But not only for the widows, but for people, family, close friends who are near a widow and do not understand what she's going through. So the book is talking about how you went through the grieving process. Yes, it's the first two years from the day my husband died exactly two years after. And those first two years, everything, the ups and downs, the feelings, the, the pain, the crying, the screaming, the little, bless, the little laughter, the guilt, the, the books that helped me go through, the things that people said that helped me, people that, uh, things that people said that were ah, so annoying and <laughs> aggravating. So I really put everything in there. So a lot of people can get like tips on how to treat a widow. Don't say this, don't say this, don't do this, you know? And yeah, a lot of people have said that it's, very, it's been very, very useful and eye-opening. Yeah. Did you feel that some of your dreams had died when he died as well? 
And did people treat you differently? I guess maybe some people were his friends, but maybe not your friends. Yes, you 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 were right on the spot. We call that the secondary losses. Everything that happened because of his death. Everything around you. Like I said before, life as I knew it ended. And so, yes, everything around changed. It's not only friends that were his friends. That Even people, I noticed, people don't want to be around death. Mm. You know, and a widow reminds everyone about a death. And they, they avoid it. It's nothing something it's I'd say even personal sometimes it's just like ooh the widow is coming don't bring that like bad vibe in here or something you know they, they, they're doing it unconsciously sometimes but you, so you said yeah the, so the friendships changed and the future dreams of course yeah. all those future dreams that we had together we're going to go up north and get a, a house in a in a farm and he's going to grow uh, vegetables and no all that died with him I, how long did it take you to write the book about two years yeah, yeah because it, it really ends it's going i wrote it as i was living it so uh, after two years and i'm not going to reveal what happens at the end of the book but when when I reached that point at the two-year mark is when I felt that okay something's changed here and it's time to stop and I'm ready ready for my new life is time a great healer they always say oh give it time give it is time actually a great healer that's a great question Paul it depends on you some people will say no time never heals the person is always alive inside you and the grief never ends, but you learn to live with it. It's, that's it's something that you carry and becomes part of you when you carry it. I would say, yes, time is a healer, mm. but it's ultimately your decision. Mm. If you want to heal, time will help you. If you don't want to heal, time will not help you. Yeah. It's as simple and as difficult as that. Of course, Rabbi Eckstein was well-known around the world and well-known around the Christian world as well, wasn't he? Very, very. And I have very mixed feelings about that, you know, because I don't think that anyone remembers that there was a widow around. You know, everybody remembers the great work that he did, the organization that he started... And he did amazing things. He really helped so many people. And he built a wonderful, wonderful organization. And, and he created that bridge with the Christian world. He did really, really amazing things. And, and that goes on, and I'm very happy about it. But maybe it relates to what I said earlier, that people don't want to see death. People want to see only the positive. On the one hand, I'm, yes, I'm grateful for that, and I'm very happy about it, that what he did continues. But not, not just because of me, you know, when, when there's a widow out there, the Bible tells you, remember the widow and the orphan and care for her. So follow, follow your Bible and remember, where, what happened to the widow? Where is she? Yeah. Nobody, nobody is in touch with me. And that's okay. You know, I've turned my pain into purpose. I'm okay now. I'm happy. I've, uh, I've created real, real purpose in my life. And that's fine, but for others, other widows that need need some support out there, I would encourage 
and urge people to reach out to the widow. Mm. Uh, what sort of response have you had from the book? Amazing response, mm. really. Like I said, not only the widows that feel that, oh, I'm normal. I, I'm feeling what she describes in the book. I, I also feel that. I, 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 and they, they really identify with the pain that I describe. But also from a lot of people that now say, they, they call me and they say, I understand now what a widow goes through. And until your book, I knew widows. I read other books about widow, uh, and, and memoirs of widows. I did not understand until now because it's so raw, because originally it wasn't a book. Mm. And I'm totally, you know, I say it, it's kind of like being naked out in the world. I, the, the book is really, really an open, open door into what I felt, and it really, really exposing, and it, authentic, raw, and I didn't leave anything out of what I went through. Mm. Has this opened a door for you to be able to actually minister to other widows? Exactly. That's what I've done. That's the purpose in my life. When, and it actually began just from a need that I had, that I didn't have a support group. I didn't have people around me who understood. I was offered to go to other support groups, but they're usually older women or the younger women because organizations that take care of the widow and the orphan together. So it's younger widows that have small children at home. For my age group, I was 51 when my husband passed away. I didn't find a support group. So I said, well, what do you do when there's nothing out there? You start it, <laughs> you create it. So I invited some widows over to my house. And that's how my first support group started. I learned how to speak and how to encourage others to open up. And uh, that grew and snowballed into larger support groups in different languages and into a podcast. And I speak French, Spanish, so I have groups in those languages too. English, Hebrew mainly, and uh, groups in Tel Aviv that where widows come from all over the country, other ones in Jerusalem at my home. So it's like really grown to really help others. and. And that's the greatest gift. When a widow comes over, when the first one came and said, you know, hugged me and said, you saved my life, wow, that's very powerful. So your pain is healing other people. Exactly. In, in everything you do, I think, when, to heal, you, when you find somebody that's in a bigger need than yourself and you help them, I think that's the way to help ourselves. When you volunteer, we say that you receive much more by giving and helping others in, in volunteer work than the actual person that's receiving something. And it's really so, so true. How difficult was the grieving process for you? And also tell us about your cat. <laughs> uh, we were talking about cats. Huh? I, I loved cats, but I always thought I was allergic. And I, I would look at kittens and I, ah, I, I melt when I see a little kitten. And... One day, a friend brought a kitten over to the house. I said, well, how am I going to take care of that? I can barely take care of myself. You know, I, was, I was in such a state of shock and depression and totally, totally broken. Like half of my body had been amputated, if you can imagine, like mm. really in a very, very bad state. And she said, no, you keep this kitten. I said, okay, I'm going to try for a few days. I'll see how it goes. I don't see myself taking care of anything. And... 
this little kitten needed needed to be fed in the morning and needed to, then wanted to play and uh, wanted to jump on me and all of a sudden there was life inside the house that's the first thing that i felt wow there's something living here you know where, where i thought that everything was dead around me no no sign of my husband i mean yes sign but nothing breathing around i remember waking up at night one day and hearing the kitten breathe and i was like there's life here and having to get out of bed when i didn't feel like it because i had to feed this little thing that de depended on me so i i can say really she kind of saved my life and then uh, cats are amazing go get a cat <laughs> So you'd certainly recommend an animal for someone who's going through a grieving oh, process. Definitely. De absolutely. You hear the responses of people that have taken pets or that had pets at home, dogs, cats, and they have managed their grief, I think, much, much better. Having something, even even think of it. You don't have your husband to hug you in the morning or hug you goodnight or that physical touch. And all of a sudden I had this little kitten that slept in my arms mm. that was hugging me, that needed my, my protection and meant, meant the world to me. Have you got any thoughts about writing other books in the future? I might, I might. I'm really feeling very, very strong these days, very powerful. I'm, I'm back in school. I'm studying uh, sociology, education. I want, I'm really growing, and I, I want to get that out to the world, that go, go out and study, change your life, and... It's, it's okay, learning and studying something new and, and growing. You don't have to feel guilty because your husband is not here and that you get to live. Mm. A lot of widows feel that guilt. No, what? I don't feel entitled. He's, he's not here to also enjoy it. You know, make the best out of it. And creating a new life is possible. And yes, I would like to write another one and, mm. and give you more tips and, and encouragement and seeing... You know, I was the kind of person that maybe being very, very shy, not being able to talk. Had you called me maybe seven years ago or something when my husband was alive, I'd like to interview too as the rabbi's wife or something. I would just, no, 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 <laughs> no, no way. And what's the worst that can happen? You know, go for it. Okay, the grow, do, experience. And, and yes, you can live an amazing life even after such grief and trauma like that. What's your prayer today for someone who's going through the grieving process? What would I pray? I would say... Oh, that's hard, that's tough. Sorry. Find yourself. You know, look inside. Pray. Look inside yourself and see those hidden gems that you have there. Because it's there the whole time. I pray that they find those hidden gems, that they come out and that they can find a reason to live, find a purpose to live, and, and change, you know, find that also self-awareness. of It doesn't matter if you're a type of person, you can decide that, you can, that you're anything you want in this world. Mm. You just decide and make that first step and go for it. The book is called The Rabbi's Widow. Where can people get a copy of it? You can order it on Amazon, The Rabbi's Widow. Yes. Okay, Joel. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today. Pray that God will move by his mighty power in the Holy Land and bring his peace.
Thank you for listening to this JTMR podcast brought to you by Jesus to My Rescue Ministries and Outreach. Visit our website at www.jesustomyrescue.com for more great content that will help you grow in your relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. If you need prayer, send us a WhatsApp to plus two seven double six four six eight three six three five. Alternatively, send us an email to support at jesustomyrescue.com. You can also find us on most social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, TikTok and many others. Just search for Jesus to my rescue. God bless you. Bye-bye.